The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Make It Pine. M.I.P. With Whenever we can, we're glad to have our friend Eric Bollert with us. Press Run, fearless media commentary. Be sure to subscribe at PressRun.media if you've not already. Hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, good to see, good to hear you. I should say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, to, good to be heard. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You, you've kind of been focusing on uh, uh, employment and and jobs, and um, your latest, of course, deals with anti-vaxxers and them quitting their jobs. The, the media, mm. as you and I always discuss, they fixate on things that are sometimes so off the beaten path. Uh, and elevate things that should not be elevated. Tell us, tell us about that and, and, and what that's really all about and this whole focus on folks quitting who are vaxxers. Yeah, yeah. That, so the headline I used was, who cares if anti-vaxxers quit their jobs? And the answer is the media. The media is completely obsessed with this idea. In New York City, there were, you know, I think it was cops yesterday walking across the Brooklyn Bridge to protest. They're, you know, um, they're not going to adhere to the city's vaccine mandate and you know and obviously biden put in a vaccine mandate for companies with a hundred and larger than employees and they're incorrect these mandates are incredibly successful i think it's united airline 99 percent of employees have complied for the new york city the board of education it's 96 97 percent 99 percent of principals 98 percent of teachers mandates work they make sense, and yeah, they are, they they make people do things that they might have not already done because they're looking at quitting their job. Anyway, so there, there's this, as always, this very loud, very small in this case uh, minority one the one two percenters who are loudly standing up and and are actually quitting their job and they're talking about tyranny and you can't live in a free country if you're gonna. You know, if the government's going to make you get a shot, even though every one of the every one of these people's kids had to have a measles and mum shots to go to kindergarten. And the press is just fascinated. And 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 the coverage is wrong. And as I point out, it for so many ways, a lot of it is kind of this hand holding coverage and, and almost presenting these people as being heroic. You know, the, the New York Times. Yeah, and it's, the New York. Over, what's that? 
No, I was saying, I was just saying, I agree. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. So the New, the New York Times over the weekend, you know, did a big front page piece, and they talked about how you know the resistance is unwavering, uh, and and instead of basically questioning these people's mental health on why any grown man or woman, unless you have deep you know religious reservations or something like that, why any grown man or woman would walk away from a good paying job, and in many of these cases, good paying jobs with benefits and pensions, put your family at financial risk because, you know, where are you going to turn around and get another job if you refuse to get a vaccine? You're obviously limiting your, your job options because you won't take a free, safe, and effective vaccine. The coverage should be asking about brainwashing. It should be asking about, you know, mental health and things like that. But instead, like I said, they're portrayed as kind of these heroic people standing up for their principles uh, when the principles don't make any sense. Also, the coverage allows people to just spread misinformation and disinformation and propaganda. So if you're going to do these big stories, you know, New York Times did a 2000 word story, Wall Street Journal over the weekend, a 2000 word story. It's going to a lot of it is going to be asking these people why they refuse to get this very simple shot. Oh, you know, I don't trust the government. You know, we don't have enough research. And a lot of the coverage doesn't point out the fact that these are all lies. And, you know, 200 million people have taken the shot safely and things like that. And really the big problem is this is kind of both sides journalism taken to an absolute extreme measures. You have this one or 2% who's being portrayed as being just as newsworthy and as important as the 98% yeah, yeah, of the employees yeah, yeah. who are taking the shot. And it's always this basis. And, and to me, and the last point is it's, you know, it's just the continued no- media normalization of mostly Trump supporters and their irrational and nihilistic behavior. Nothing they do will ever be portrayed as unthinking and dangerous and, and bizarre. It's always couched in these terms. Uh, you know, again, you, you look and watch this coverage. You would think these were just common sense, thoughtful folk who right. just had a slightly different take on things. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is not at all what's going on. Well, but it goes. I See, I put it in the same line as what you've always reminded us of before and continuously reminded us of this. This focus, as you said, on the two percent now. Mm-hmm. You mentioned all these jurisdictions where the majority of people have been vaccinated. Yeah. When when Republicans lose and lose badly, the mainstream media wants to talk to those who lose. Yeah. If Democrats lose an election, they don't interview Democrats who lost or Democratic voters whose candidate didn't win. It's just this need to elevate the losers, those who are on the losing side. Uh, and, and now I'm beginning to wonder, I was with Rem Barber this weekend in West Virginia. We were talking about the filibuster. Yeah. I'm beginning to wonder, because that is a minority type of thing. It's like whoever is in the losing, on the losing side, in the minority, the minuscule amount, small number of people that can literally, 10 Republican senators can stop anything, Yeah. right, uh, or, or less. It's like, well, we, that's who we're going to highlight. We're going <laughs> to lift those. We're going to lift it. We're not going to do a story on, let's do a story on why... Uh, uh, the vast majority of many of these government workers have been vaccinated. What made right. them decide to do it? Uh, or hell, interview two of them at the same time, one who doesn't want to do it and one who did. Just kind of get a double perspective. But no, we're right, just right. going to lift up. We're just going to lift up 
those and and celebrate it and really enable the whole insurrectionist mentality. Um, yeah, this is just you know they're they're standing up, they're strong. But those of us who stand up for other things that are real need to be stood up for, like voting rights. Yeah, you don't do stories on that. Yeah, you know, and and to me that. And to me, there are two types of stories that could be done that would be interesting that I don't see anywhere. Uh, one is a lot of people are going to get new jobs because all these cops and firefighters and nurses quit. Let, why don't you do a story on that, on the, on, the, on the, you know, all these new job openings? You know, I pointed out in my piece, you know, particularly with cops and firefighters, the only time we've really heard about these jobs in the past is when groups went to court and sued because they so badly wanted the jobs and were being kept out because of issues of race and gender. These these have been held up as kind of these privileged jobs. And now people are just walking away from them because they won't get a shot. I'd like to, I'd like to see a story about all the new people are going to get great jobs (laughs) because these people have gone down the rabbit hole and embraced information. I'd also love to see a story about spouses and you know, husbands and wives whose partners are walking away from good paying jobs with benefits and pensions and putting their families at financial right. risk. Right. What's that like when your husband says, oh, I'm, I'm quitting. What do you mean you're quitting? Oh, I'm not gonna take a shot. What do you mean you're not gonna, t- where are you gonna work? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, maybe I'll mow lawns or something. Oh, we have a kid in college, right? You know, to me, that's a fascinating dynamic and we haven't really seen any, this, these, these people and, and, and they're, cons- they're you know, embracing conspiracy and the government is trying to make them sick with a vaccine. They, the ripple effect on a personal level and a family level is going to create so much chaos. And I feel, imagine being you know, a sixth or seventh grader knowing your, your dad's quitting his job uh, because he won't get a shot. And what that's going to mean to your future. And you've lived through COVID for two years and your life is just all about uncertainty. And now parents, adults who should know better, are making these bizarre life choices and putting everyone's life, not at risk necessarily, but in jeopardy and and taking away a normalcy and and things like that. I don't see any coverage about that. I just see, oh, these people are standing up for their principles. And again, I, I put this example in my piece. If there was a, a, a kind of an unhinged far left movement where men and women were quitting their jobs because uh, they were forced to wear shoes and shirts to work, mm. would those people get sympathetic coverage or, or would their mental health be rightfully questioned? Because it doesn't make any sense. But no, that's no. certainly not the kind of, uh, of coverage we're seeing. And you're right. You know, traditionally, you know, in the past, when Democratic candidates lost, that was it. They were in the dustbin of history. When Michael Dukakis lost, when John Kerry lost, we didn't see coverage nine months later about John Kerry supporters. <laughs> but, but we are absolutely, Washington Post, in the last 48 hours, big piece about Trump supporters. Reporter went to Idaho. You know, who goes to Idaho to get the pulse of the nation? Well, you know, Trump supporters, we got to interview them for 2,000 words. This has never happened in, in the history of po- political journalism. Where the, where the losers, where the loud minority is treated as the majority. More MIP after this message. Yeah, and on the spouses, man, see, I, I, that's been a thing for me because we do live in a world where, where people, where really entertainment has been centered around real housewives and all this kind of stuff. You know, I could see coverage, if not reality shows, 
about spouses who leave crazy wives and husbands who either in the insurrection or yeah. are quitting their jobs now. I mean, I could see that getting in, you know, everybody watching that because people like that kind of drama anyway. But I'm sure it's the case. I'm not, I'm quitting my job because I have to get a vaccine. Uh, uh, not for anything. You know, the other thing I find too, Eric, I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. Um, some of the people and and some of them are like me, African-Americans, some of the people yeah. who don't want to get a vaccine. So here's the deal. I have found the people most vocally active, even if they aren't anti-vaxxers, but they just don't want to take this vaccine with COVID. Let's just, oh, I'm just against it. They're, yeah, they're yeah. very, I found those tend to be the people who have also never been active on any other social justice issue. Mm. It's like they like this is a this is something I found I can stand up for. I've never stood up for anything. Now, people, everybody's mad at other people who have been longtime anti-vaxxers, RFK, uh, anti-vaxxers, yeah, RFK yeah, yeah. Jr. But I have to be honest, I'm not surprised. It's not a story to me. The people who've always been anti-vaxxers. Okay, so I mean, they, those who've always been anti-vaxxers on every vaccine, of course, they're not going to be sure, sure, sure. Nineteen vaccine. Okay, so I mean, I people get tripped out and say, but no, that's what they've always been. What would you expect them to be? But it's the people who are new, who've never taken a position on anything. Yep. Let, let's let's have a strike at work for a pay raise. Let's let's fight to organize or have organize a union. Right. Let's stand up for this person they're discriminating against at work. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, this is something they, they feel called. It's just really yeah. interesting to me the things people feel called to do yeah. randomly. And, and, and to your point. Yeah, I mean that's the story. Let's talk to some of these families. Yeah, who, who, because people do have mortgages and, and car notes and yeah. tuition. How does the, is this really something uh, that you want that that is worth doing? But now I did mention you have looked at employment now. On uh, last week, you wrote about how um, Republicans mispredicted what would happen. Oh, when yeah. it came to workers and and then um, how they really owe workers and a policy uh, an apology. And you also wrote over the weekend about uh, or you asked the question about where did did all where did all the workers go? And yeah. again, to me, where are those conversations and interviews uh, when it comes to people who 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 could go back to work, who couldn't go back? to work? I mean, those are real stories. E there's even in the majority. I mean, hell, you can write stories about people who couldn't go get you know, go back to work because they have long COVID, because they're yeah. because they're sick. But we want to, but the mainstream ones, we want to write about these um, bullhorn wearing anti-vaxxers. They all everybody's wearing a bull uh, a horn with bulls now. I mean, a, a hat with a horn bulls all of that because I think of the guy who was at the insurrection. Yeah, but 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 talk a little bit about you know how you found the Republicans really needing to apologize to the U.S. workers they claimed would be lazy or are lazy. Yeah. So back in the spring, you remember, the, the, you know, uh, it became apparent there was a work shortage and a, a Republican governor in Montana had the idea, oh, there's there's a shortage because we're, you know, the government's paying and the states and government's paying an extra three hundred dollars a month because of uh, for COVID unemployment. That was part of the COVID relief bill. And Joe Biden has created this national worker shortage. So I'm going to cut those funds off. You know, those funds don't cost the state a dime. It was free money. 
that people were getting from the federal government. And then next thing we know, 25 Republican governors uh, all did the same thing. Oh, we have, oh, I've heard from the Chamber of Commerce, you know, if we cut off unemployment benefits, everyone will run out their door and rush to apply for jobs once those $300 uh, a month uh, checks stop. And, and so 25 governors did it. And the problem was the press treated it seriously. The press treated it as a, a legitimate economic theory, even though economists at the time said, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no evidence that this is what's happening. You know, we just came out of a once in a century or basically never once in a never uh, uh, national pandemic. There's no simple rules, explanation for why people, uh, people aren't going back to work. So, uh, but the press, uh, you know, amplified it. They said they, you know, they went with the both sides, uh, you know, approach. Oh, you know, Republicans say this is the problem. You know, economists say it's not. Well, you know, we can't decide. So we're just going to give a platform as usual to the loud angry Republican minority. Well, by now, you know, we have 10 different stacks of studies and obviously the unemployment uh, information themselves, data itself proves that that the theory was nonsense. We have, you know, in, in we the, all the benefits, either state or local, expired in September. We have more unfilled jobs after those benefit ended. Uh, so it, the, the theory was a complete joke. And a lot of the coverage early on only talked to employers. I think the press has done a better job in the last couple of months, you know, getting the viewpoint of employees into this debate. But what happened is there's been, there's been a national unprecedented shift in, in you know, cultural and labor shift in terms of what people want to do with their lives and what they want to do with their jobs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's a myriad of reasons why people aren't going back to work. And $300 checks had nothing to do with it. But Republicans and the, and the conservative right-wing media have for decades have loved to use the social safety net as a way to suggest American workers are lazy and, and, and slothful and things like that. And here, here's an interesting connection. Probably the number one reason some people aren't going back is lack of childcare. Yeah. Uh, and there's a national shortage of, of child care workers because they're drastically underpaid. And guess what's in, in Biden's Build Back Better bill that he's trying to get passed? A mountain of money for to build up the child care infrastructure in this country because uh, Biden's infrastructure was always about investment, human investment. Uh, and so Biden has a clear way to fix long term uh, this patchwork child care uh, a conundrum that parents face all over the country. But again, so the, you know, it, it, the, the pandemic has changed the way people view jobs, the way people view going back to what they think are crummy jobs and working for companies that they realize couldn't care less about them and companies that became insanely profitable thanks to the uh, remarkably efficient American worker. And so there's just been a rethinking about all of this. And Republicans in the press got it all wrong, I think. Yeah, uh, uh, for, for sure. More MIP after this message. And as you mentioned, people are not going back to work for a myriad of reasons. Their story is right there. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you're right. A lot of it is child care. But this thing has changed everybody. And Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and just a real quick point. Uh, there was a statistic I found, you know, between mid-June and mid-September, you know, when all these people were supposed to be rushing back to work, the number of people who were caring for 
or or uh, people with COVID uh, went went up to like 2.5 million. And also, people are wondering where all the workers are. Well, 700,000 people just died of a pandemic. That's going to put a hole in the workforce, and the and the press doesn't really talk about that. So anyway, yeah, you're you're right. There are there are all kinds of reasons, and virtually none of the reasons were because of $300 checks the government were sending. And here's another story. How many employers have changed? In other words, there are a lot of people who are never going physically back to work. Right. There are employers who have found that people can actually work virtually from now on. There are companies that are saving on rent and and what have you. So, I mean, that's a story. That's an interesting story. Yeah. I know companies that have given workers option. They took a poll. Do you want to come back into a physical office space or you contend working from home from now on? And then that also has an impact on child care because maybe that helps. But yeah, you right. these stories like that because we like to uh, enable insurrectionists. And I'll be honest with you when, when you, when you focus on the small minority of insurrectionists, it enables the crazy ones too. It yeah. doesn't discourage those who want to, run up in the Capitol and, and wipe feces all over Capitol. That, that it, it lets people know, hey, I get some, this is acknowledged. This is, this value, this is a value, this matters. They're gonna cover me what? Um, uh, doing this. Well, and, and another quick point, and, and you see the Republican party come to your, you come to your aid. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know at, 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 remember two or three days after the insurrection, I mean, the New York Times had this big, oh, there, there's a reckoning, the Republican reckoning with Trump. There's no way the Republican party can stand for this kind of violence. They're going to, this was news stories. Oh, they're going to finally have a reckoning and and walk away from Trump. And and now you've got, you know, now you've got many Republicans basically saying the insurrection didn't happen. It was just a bunch of grandparents with, with built, with, with homemade. And so uh, to your point, if you're an insurrectionist, not only do you see your activities normalized by the media, you're embraced by the Republican party. So what kind of signals are you getting there? Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, uh, of course, I, and I appreciate you. You always give us the perspective that others don't. Of course, uh, Colin Powell lost last week, and it is hard. It is almost impossible to uh, think of Colin Powell without thinking of the uh, weapons of mass destruction, Iraq, yeah. and all of that in his testimony. And and Colin Powell was very blessed because he. He did that and then managed later to admit and apologize for it. And he was accepted. I don't know how many people could have gotten away with that. <laughs> uh, I'm just being objective about it. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but but he was it was hard even for someone like me. Uh, and I've told this story before uh, years ago when when the draft Colin Powell committee was on my show, when I was doing live radio on yeah. terrestrial radio in, in Washington, D.C., they came in my studio. And people who I knew and respected, black Republicans, not like black Republicans, uh, some of the nut jobs. But anyway, right. well, I said, well, why is Colin Powell? And then I say for people like me for this reason, I said, well, why is Colin Powell a good person to run against Bill Clinton? This is in 95. And they said, well, Mark, he's, he's not a black man like you are. And I knew what they meant, but I wanted them to explain it. I said, well, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? <laughs> and they said, well, he's not militant like you. So I took him to task, Eric. I was like, well, he's not militant. I said, let me get this straight. He's in the military, a four-star general, but I'm the one who's militant <laughs> and he's not. So we kind of had a little back and forth on that. And then later that year, Colin Powell actually ended up endorsing our Million Man March. 
But but the point is, Colin Powell was not like uh, Herman Cain uh, right, or Clarence right. Thomas. Yet, right. it was very difficult to stomach. Many of us felt that Colin Powell should have resigned rather than give that speech at the UN. That that would have been principal. But but he did it his way, and he was 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 heralded for speaking out later. That being the case, what Eric Bolin has done, folks. This is why you should check out Press Run. Uh, Colin Powell may have given the speech, but he reminds us how the Washington Post and the New York Times, even beyond what Colin Powell did, went out of their way to trumpet WMDs and to enable that argument. And it was interesting, while they acknowledged his passing, and you could not write an old bit of Colin Powell without acknowledging that he said that was wrong and he should not have done it and he disagreed with it, none of them did their own mea culpa. <laughs> they didn't say, well, Colin Powell did a guy rest his soul. And you know what? We did the same thing. We, we, yeah. <laughs> we, but we weren't big enough. We didn't do what he did. We didn't have yeah, to right. come back later and say that we were, we were wrong, did they? Yeah. So the, this, this was the uh, February 3rd infamous UN presentation that Powell gave 2003, um, just weeks before the invasion. Public opinion was still, it's hard to recall, public opinion was still divided. Bush had done an awful job selling the war. Colin Powell in the summer of 2002 said, you have to go to the UN, you have to go to the UN. Bush said, okay, you, you go to the UN and sell it for me. Powell's sales job at the UN had been a disaster. France, uh, to its credit, said saw right through all of this stuff. So there, there was a UN Security Council and, and Powell live national television, 90 minutes, made his case. Turns out the intel he was using was all bogus. But my God, the the press, you know, particularly the Washington Post, basically carried him around on their shoulders for a week saying, this is it. You know, we're going to war. Uh, the, the press the press wanted to go to war. And a lot of it also it might be hard to remember. Remember the liberal hawks? That was a whole faction of otherwise liberal Democratic pundits, uh, elite pundits in, in the Beltway who decided for some bizarre reason that they were going to ditch their 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 careers worth their perspective and say, oh yeah, we need to win. we need to launch the first preemptive war in American history. So for Powell, they he Powell was the godsend. Powell was the one they said, aha, he was the he, they they hid behind Powell. They said, well, if if Colin Powell says it's true, it must be true. And just these the Washington Post editorial the next day, the headline was irrefutable, yeah. uh, and the argument was only unserious people. At this point, question whether Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction. So Powell's presentation was incredibly influential, incredibly important, incredibly flawed. And, you know, let's face it, led to <laughs> hundreds of thousands of, I mean, not just him, but the whole invasion obviously cost us three trillion, I think, and hundreds of thousands of dead Iraqis. And, and honestly, the reason I highlighted it, because it really... You know, it really did. To me, it was the beginning of kind of the the whole uh, the 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 lies that the Trump administration used. I'm sorry, the Bush administration used for the war. That was the beginning of mass misinformation, mass propaganda in this country that was embraced by the mainstream media. Instead of having a free press standing up and saying lie, 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 lie. New York Times, we we you know we've seen the reporting since. Howell Raines was the editor. He wanted the, the allegation from people in his newsroom. He wanted to use that that war to show that the New York Times did not have a liberal media bias. 
so he let Judith Miller run wild and, 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 and dream up wild front page stories about aluminum tubes and all these other things. But it was a massive failure by the media. And, it, and the key point you made is uh, today, no self-reflection. It's, you know, Colin Powell messed up, but, but we, we played no role in any of the invasion fiasco. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I guess it would mean even admitting that Colin Powell was better than us. Yeah, because even though he messed up, he acknowledged it. We still yeah. won't do it. We still. No, and, and and real quick, Maureen Dowd over the weekend did a you know a column about Colin Powell and kind of taking him to task and nailing him to the cross, and not one word about how the New York Times, who she works for, mm-hmm. basically co-sponsored that war. So that that was a perfect example yeah. of, of pundits kind of getting up on their soapbox today. And 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 tis, tisking the Colin Powell without ever saying, oh, by the way, <laughs> you know, we 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 did ten times worse than what Colin Powell did. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, it's terrible. Never Folks having also, to say you're sorry. <laughs> never having to say you're sorry, right? Folks, also, of course, uh, Eric Bowler has been reminding us of, of the unbalanced coverage when it comes to Joe Biden and and CNN's obsession. A CNN, he tweeted, follow him on Twitter as well, at Eric Bowler. A CNN analysis of Biden's public schedule indicates that the president has spent a significant amount of time away from the White House, particularly on weekends since his January inauguration. And again, again, to this minority, this this uh, Washington Post, this is this is a headline. I remember when the watch this was too small of a headline for the Washington Post. This was a topic too small. Biden's critics hurl increasingly vulgar taunts. Right. That's a headline. Like people don't speak in vulgarities 24 hours a day, but that's a headline at the venerable Washington Post. They, they they continue and they never again. This didn't really happen with Trump. It really was never a headline. Crazy president is vulgar uh, <laughs> every day. <laughs> but they you know, they they're they're They've got to create some. Yes. Something negative, something controversial. They've got to overcompensate. So that, as you said, don't look like liberal media, where liberal now has been defined by the right to mean just being objective, yeah, telling exactly. the truth. Oh yeah, you know the the, the press was very, is very anxious to to say to Republicans, oh, okay, well you thought we were tough on Trump, now watch this. I mean, you know we're going to be tough on Biden. We're going to do everything we did to Trump. Look, I have no problem with fact checking Joe Biden and things like that. But CNN, you know, had the uh, Biden town hall uh, last week. And so they do this obligatory fact checking Joe Biden because obviously every other sentence Trump said was a blatant lie. And then CNN, to its credit, did a very good job calling it out, even though they wouldn't call it lies. They called it falsehoods. But anyway, so Biden does this 90 minute town hall and CNN is just absolutely scraping the bottom of the barrel because Joe Biden is essentially a truthful person. And he doesn't purposely lie and he's not going on, you know, having a town hall to, to spread propaganda. So one of their gotchas was uh, tr- uh, Biden talked about the high the high end tax uh, rate. Was, he said it was 35 percent. And CNN said, no, it's 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 37 percent. And it's just like, OK, that's fine. Like, yeah, I guess he got it wrong. But my God considering what we just went through. Uh, but again, so it's it's a way for the Beltway Press to say, well, you know, this is how we treated 
uh, Trump. So this is how we're going to treat Biden. Oh, uh, you know, Trump went golfing, you know, you got, I don't know, 850 times and cost the Secret Service $900 million. I don't know, I'm exaggerating. Oh, so Joe Biden goes to Delaware on the weekends to ride his bike. So, you know, we're going to we're going to do an analysis, you know, and we're going to present this as important news, even though Biden was in when he was in Delaware over the weekend, he had Joe Manchin there because he was trying to hammer out, you know, a spending yeah, yeah. bill. So, you know, I, th- I think the press feels guilty in a way, the way they treated Trump. So they want to make sure, you know, <laughs> they give Biden the same treatment, even though Biden is, is a mainstream politician who's, I said, essentially honest. Uh, and, and Trump was madman. They feel they guilty, guilty about the way they treated Trump. Unbelievable. That's, that's, that's pretty that's scary. scary. Yeah, I know, right? That's pretty scary. By the way, before we go, just one thing I want to mention. You mentioned um, the social safety net. We were in West Virginia this weekend, and you know, Mansion enables a lot of that, too. He know, he's running around using his term entitlements when it comes to build back better. And let me just let you all all know something, what people do when they do that. A lot of that is coded language. Um, When you say stuff like entitlements, it implies that it's meant for a certain segment of the community be they lazy or be they black, let's be or people of color. Let's be honest about it. Yeah. Man, we get to West Virginia and people have run the numbers. Everybody who would most the vast majority of people that would benefit for, in West Virginia from what Build Back Better has to offer while Manchin is calling entitlements are white working class people in West Virginia. Yeah, nobody, yeah. <laughs> nobody else. But again, folks, that's what propaganda does. When you say social safety net and entitlements and that type of thing, people don't think it really benefits themselves. And, and that's where the media is important, because when it doesn't report on that. Now, this is a report that was done by the Poor People's Campaign. You've yeah. not seen that. Re- that's a, a story. Hello. That's not a story. No, we got headlines like they're vulgar insults against Biden. Not that this is what Build Back Better would do in Joe Manchin's own constituency. Well, yeah, I, I, I did a piece a week, a week or two ago. There was a CBS poll and only uh, 10% of the country uh, feels like it really knows what's in the Build Back Better bill. Uh, and this is this is a piece of legislation that's been in the news for six months. Right. And all you ever hear is 3.5 trillion, 3.5 trillion, trillion. This is how much it's going to cost. This is why Republicans don't like it. This is why he can't get a single vote. Yeah. What's actually in the bill is a pretty well-kept secret. In the last week or so, I think the press has done a little better job. I think they heard the criticism. I'll be perfectly honest. When I wrote my story, I you know, really dove in uh, and, and looked at what's in this bill. It's mind-boggling. It's basically the New Deal Part 2. Community college, paid leave, you know, uh, child care um, infrastructure. It's amazing. It's amazing. And that's why, on the flip side, when pollsters ask Americans, you know, uh, a la carte. What do you think of this? Oh, everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves all of these things. Bipartisan support. Uh, but people don't know what's in the bill because the press has treated it as 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 a process story, as a jockeying story. Right, Where's right. Manchin on this? Where's Semina on this? Why right. can't Biden get a deal passed? Uh, it's, it's been a colossal failure. Um, you know, the press is one of its key roles is supposed to Explain, just simply explain what legislation is. It ought to be able to co- cover the Capitol Hill legislative process and be able to tell people, you know, how these things might change your life. Uh, but yeah, I, most people have no idea what's in it. And, and just just a real quick, I think, you know, 
I don't think it's an exaggeration. You know, there's all this talk about the debt limit, the debt limit. Oh, we got to, we got, I'm sure there are lots of fairly well, fairly thoughtful news consumers who think the debt limit is going to expire because Biden wants to pass a $3.5 trillion bill. And, and so there's a connection, not knowing that it's 3.5 over 10 years and that it's an investment and things like that. So, again, I, I think the press has just done a poor job explaining and they're much more in into the the, the jockeying and the and the, and the, you know, the horse race aspect, all of this. The um, uh, the default story, default headline, default coverage, the investigative coverage, in fact is dams in disarray yeah of course not not what is in a bill not the facts just the facts oh but that would make us look liberal yeah well but it, this is what's in the bill whether it passes or not you have you're right you have a duty to inform the public what's in the bill and this is an utter refusal uh to do that um uh, uh, uh on twitter as well eric has uh, resurrected his story about Mark Zuckerberg from a year and a half ago. You all want to go back and click on that and read that. All of that is is coming true. He told us about that. Eric tells us about everything. You don't want to miss Press Run. Um, Follow, like it, share it, retweet it. Eric Bollard on Twitter. So you can actually, uh, not only does he give us commentary, but I think uh, Eric gives us some of the necessary tools uh, to read this. If there was ever a moment when a cliche is appropriate, uh, the tools to read between the lines that is so necessary in this day and time. Whether it's on Facebook or whether it's in this mainstream media, we have got to read between the lines, folks, or else we will continue to be fooled. Thanks as always, buddy. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have a great week. Okay, you too. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.